Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the show. This is the Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. I'm your host, pop art painter Jamie Rocks, and this is the big show. You found it. i sure I'm glad you did. Today is very, very exciting. Uh, well, because it's Friday, and, uh, you know, we're almost out of here for the week. No, I'm, I'm kidding. The weekend is like a Tuesday around here, for me at least. Um, and I think, I dare say, a lot of people in the, uh, the creative world, uh, world, I should say, um, Today, though, what I'm excited about, what I'm excited about, guys, is we have a, um, uh, some fantastic guests lined up, and uh, they're here now. They're, they're waiting in the wings patiently. Um, but these are uh, narrators, voice actors uh, for the very cool one of – I love this book series. It's uh, the Rock and Roll Nightmares book series, and um, it's been converted to audio books now. And how cool is that? You know, back in my day, we all had to read books all the time. That's what you had to do. And uh, and now if you're on a long drive or you're working, I know a lot of people listen to audiobooks when they work out. I like to listen to them when I work, when I paint. So um, it's just really cool because it, it kind of frees up your hands and whatnot. Um, and you can do, you can multitask. And, uh, you know, the us human beings have, have are constantly evolving, and, and this is the way to think. I think it's it's fantastic, and but here's the thing: you have to have the right person uh, narrating it. You know, it, it has to fit the vibe and the mood of of, of, of what you're listening to, of the story. Um, and otherwise, it's just it's it's weird. It can get tedious and whatnot. This. Stacey uh, Wilson, Lane Wilson has found the right narrators for this book series. These guys are all great. They're, and, they're, you know, they're all cool, turned up to 10. And they're just really, really good at what they do. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome the voice actors from the Rock and Roll Nightmare book series. Hello, voice actors. How are you? Let's go around Howdy. the room. Yay. Good hey. <laughs> <laughs> now we've got a couple people on uh, on with us today, so let's. Uh, I'm I'm going to introduce, and um, uh, we'll just we'll go around the uh, the metaphorical room here. Um, first up, we've got uh, Mr. Andy Garrison. He's an actor, a voice actor, and an acting coach in the Greater Kansas City area, I believe. Right, but you probably work all over the place. Yeah, that's that's right. No, I I mainly stay in Kansas City. I'm I've traveled a bit, but uh, Kansas City is a pretty good acting market, so I don't have to move around too much. And uh, my studio keeps me kind of tied down here. So it's nice to get out and do some voice work with people like Stacy, and I also do commercial work as well. So Nice, nice. That's, that's awesome. You know, it's interesting. I have a friend of mine. Uh, she lives in L.A., and, you know, it was she's originally from Minneapolis. And um, sure. she is the, you know, real pretty gal, blonde hair, blue eyes, you know, the whole California dream, although she wasn't from California, 
But she moved to L.A. <laughs> to become an actress, you know, because she was kind of a big yeah. deal uh, in her hometown and moved out there. And, like, it, it reminds her, when she tells a story, it reminds me so much when I went to art school um, because I was, like, the hotshot painter guy. And then I went to school, and there were 10,000 hotshot painter people, <laughs> most of them yeah. better than me. <laughs> it was, uh, it was very, very humbling. But she said that um, she had a problem getting roles because they're like, you know, there's, there's 50 of you waiting in the hallway there. And so she turned to voice acting and, um, you know, has a very nice house from it. <laughs> it's done yeah. very well. So it's, a, uh, it's, it's definitely interesting. Um, that's very well, cool. I keep, telling now, my, I keep telling my actors, if you want to act, you, you, you don't get to be all that particular. You, you go where the work is mm-hmm. and you do what the work is. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. I just had that internal monologue earlier with a commission piece I was working on today. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I want a caricature? All those years in art school, I'm doing caricature? Oh, my God, you know. But yeah. the check cleared, so that shuts me up. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what you're hoping is. for. That's right. That's right. So, Andy, how long have you been uh, acting? How did you get into it and everything? Just something you always wanted oh, to do? No. I, when I was in high school, I thought it was dumb until uh, I got in a show and said a funny line and 300 people laughed and I was like oh well here we are this is it and so from there I got a theater degree and tried to quit several times uh didn't take so I always came back to acting and then got another degree uh, MFA in acting and directing and from there kind of launched my professional theater career uh for about a decade until I I decided I really wanted to add teaching into the mix. And so I opened a studio uh, in the Kansas City area, and that was in 1998. And uh, we've survived the Great Recession and are hopefully about to survive the, the Great Pandemic. And um, <laughs> so it's, I, I decided at some point to become a coach who acts rather than an actor who coaches. And I've never looked back. I've enjoyed every moment of it. Yeah. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. And I'll tell you folks out there, if you, if you are um, uh, interested in getting into acting, you're, you're in that area, uh, the greater Kansas City area, well, you know, we have a link uh, right up to um, actorstrainingstudio.com. That's, you can talk to Andy. Yay. And I don't know the process of all that, but I'm sure it's on the website, you know. <laughs> it is. Go ahead. Um, Go to actortrainingstudio.com, one actor, one studio, a lot of training in between. And and, uh, my phone number and email address is on every page of the website. And uh, I also have one online class. So even if you're not in the area, you can come in and and come in on Zoom. Uh, I'd have gone out of business in the last 18 months without Zoom, I can tell you. So, But I'm able to go yeah, I'm able to go back live and but also uh but also I've decided to keep one Zoom class going, you know, for people out of town or people that for whatever reason couldn't get vaccinated and um and uh we're doing fine, you know. So That's cool. Well, you know, one yeah, thing about you. um 
actors uh, that I know personally and whatnot, um, the good ones, mm-hmm. uh, well, most of them actually, uh, they, they are always taking classes. Um, even established actors, you know, people that are good at what yeah. they do and whatnot, they're always keeping up with it. It's not something they, okay, I've done everything and now I can just, yeah. you know, they're, they're always it's, getting new techniques and, and whatnot. A lot there's of always something too. new, yeah. There's always something new you can learn. Um, you know, the great acting teacher, Sanford Meisner, said it takes 20 years to master the craft of acting. And fortunately for me and a lot of other actors, um, I've been acting for 40-something years, and I'm not going to claim to have mastered it, but, uh, I, but <laughs> I've done some pretty good acting in between that time. So, uh, you know, it's, you know, mastery means you not only know what you're doing, but you know when to do it, how to do it, and uh, know that you know. And so it's a, it's a different level, but uh, yeah, and and it's it keeps your keeps your tool uh, your acting tools uh, sharp and clean, and um, it's and we try to just have a good time as well. I feel like you can learn more when you're having fun than uh, if if you're not. I've been in classes that were kind of feeding frenzies, and I don't recommend them. <laughs> they're they're not very much fun. Uh, we don't. We're also not a support group. There has to be a nice balance between, um, you know, the positive, constructive feedback and. But there's still more to work on. So, uh, acting is a is a craft that's fascinated me since I was 17, and that was a long time ago. So <laughs> it, it continues to fascinate me. We try to get into the molecules of it and. Like I said, have fun. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And um, you're on, Andy, you're on which, because uh, there's three books um, with the Rock and Roll mm-hmm. uh, Nightmares book yes. series, the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Uh, man, the, the na- they all have different names, ladies and gentlemen, but they're yeah. ones based in the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s. Um, which, one are you, which one are you involved with, Andy? I'm in the 1980s version. It's called Gory Days, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I was a young adult in the 80s, so uh, Stacy and the other authors were really speaking my language when, when they were uh, referring to a lot, of the, a lot of the songs and artists that were um, mentioned and represented uh, in a new way, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because of the because it's the horror genre, um, but uh, it's it's been a great time, and I I was fortunate to have read a book for Stacy uh, before this. It's called The Tragedy Man, and she mm-hmm. really has a gift for you know meshing the horror genre with humor. And um, it's it's a pleasure to read. I can tell you there were a number of times where uh, I had to cut and, you know, give myself a do-over because I was cracking up too much. So, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, it's, it's a pleasure to read good writing. And we get that with Stacey Wilson. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Next up we have uh, Miss. Uh, or Mrs. I'm not sure. Uh, Jennifer uh, Knighton. Jennifer, how are you? <laughs> Hello, it's Miss, and I'm doing great. Yeah. How about yourself? 
<laughs> oh, fantastic, fantastic! It's a uh, it's a nice uh, nice fall day here in South Florida where I'm at, which means it's exactly like a nice summer day. It um, it never changes, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Ever, <laughs> ever. Hot, humid. Um. Anyhow, anyhow, I'm inside. <laughs> um. Jennifer, you know, you're, uh, you also do voice acting, but you also do uh, stage and film acting as well. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Well, um, I got into acting in the first place because my older sister was into it, <laughs> ah. as you do when you're a kid. Um, she immediately left theater, and it just stayed with me because it was in my blood. Um so I've been acting since probably around 15. Um, uh-huh. I am very much um, a Shakespearean geek <laughs> when it comes to mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. I went to performing arts high school in Las Vegas. I worked at a Shakespeare festival up in Idaho. Um, I actually ended up getting my degree in medieval and Renaissance studies so that I could tie um, literature, theater, music, and all of that together as opposed to just focusing on one. Um, and then I moved out to L.A., where I am currently. Um, I met this other person named Graydon Schlichter, um, <laughs> who, who got me into voiceover because that was his passion. Um, and I haven't looked back. It's an absolute blast. Um, I actually, he and I are part of a group called Macabre Fantasy Radio Theater, and we're performing down at the... Uh, H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival in San Pedro when I met an author named Eric Miller um, and we connected with him and ended up doing a couple horror anthologies for him and in a roundabout way that's how we met Stacy as well. Um, I didn't, I actually got to narrate her mother's uh, memoir uh, which was a real adventure. Uh, That's Legends and Lipstick. Um, and so that was an absolute blast, and I was very, very honored when she asked me to uh, narrate the 60s edition of this, which is a long come scary. Um, my parents were hippies, and so I grew up listening to this music, <laughs> even if I wasn't actually a child of the time period. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. My father is the same way. <laughs> the same way. <laughs> I didn't know there was modern music. I freaked out when I first heard it. Um, yeah, <laughs> crazy, crazy stuff. Um, that's very true. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyhow, anyhow. And you know, the great thing is, though, it, it's so interesting. Well, today, I have such an encyclopedic knowledge of um, Motown in the 60s, just from, from growing up in my house. My uh, whenever we're at a barbecue or something, because that's usually the kind of music people put on, um, mm-hmm. and I'll say, "Oh, this is such and such uh, off this album," blah blah blah, and everybody's like, "How that you weren't even born yet? How do you even know?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, <laughs> heard it a lot growing up. What can I say?" And now, folks, a couple quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, 
J-A-M-I-E-R-O-X-X dot U-S. This is a message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Older adults and people of any age who have serious underlying medical conditions are at higher risk for severe illness from COVID-19. If you are at higher risk, you should stay home as much as possible and avoid close contact with people who are sick to protect yourself. Call your doctor if you have concerns about COVID-19 and your medical condition or if you get sick. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Metal Babe Mayhem is more than just an online store. It's a destination. MetalBabeMayhem.com carries over 150 rock and roll products, including clothing, jewelry, and accessories. Metal Babe Mayhem also offers shrine clothing and alchemy gothic jewelry. In addition, Metal Babe Mayhem founder Allison Metal Babe Cohen is a rock and roll journalist who supports local and national artists with rock and reviews, interviews, playlists, networking, and more. Metal Babe Mayhem is taking over the world one shirt at a time. Glittering amethyst, energizing citrate, colorful fluorite, the other side of the sun, Earth's treasures brought to light. Since 1999, we have offered a unique collection of hand-selected minerals and gems for every budget, for novices, collectors, and healers. Visit www.tosots.com to view our wide selection of offerings and use coupon code ROCKS, that's R-O-X-X, for 10% off your first order. Remember... T-O-S-O-T-S dot com. Earth's treasures brought to light. Hi folks, Jamie Rocks here. Hey, if you're a big fan of uh, historical, cool historical books uh, like me, then you're going to want to check out our newest uh, show sponsor, Michelle Albion. Uh, fantastic author. She's got some really interesting, cool books out uh, that you're going to want to check out. I'm a big fan of all of these. Uh, the Florida Life of Thomas Edison, the quotable Edison, quotable Henry Ford, uh, quotable Eleanor Roosevelt, and of course the quotable Amelia Earhart. Uh, Michelle's just very keen and, and very very cool, um, and these are just very cool books. So check out her website. Uh, there's links to uh, where you can pick these up on Amazon and Barnes and Noble all over the place. Uh, MichelleAlbion.com, M-I-C-H-E-L-E-A. L-B-I-O-N.com. MichelleAubion.com. Very, very cool stuff. Check it out. Well, that's cool. Medieval studies and whatnot. That's very, very cool. And and not a breezy class. That isn't taking bowling as an elective, ladies and gentlemen. You kind of have to know your, your P's and Q's for medieval studies. Let me tell you. Um <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> and, you know, the interesting thing about that is uh, you really get into uh, a lot of um, uh, religious studies as well from that, not 
because, you know, you're, you, maybe you are, I don't know, but not because you get gung-ho on religion. It's just that was such a big thing, in the, especially Western, uh, uh, you know, Christian, uh, Western, the Middle Ages. Uh, they, so, it terminates everything, art, theater, everything. Um, it's really funny you know? say that. Um, I actually got a B in one of my university courses because I insisted on focusing on all the non-religious aspects of the printing press, <laughs> as opposed to the fact that the Bible was now accessible to everyone. Um, and my teacher was like, well, you left out the religious stuff. And I'm like, yeah, because all these other cool things happen, too. <laughs> That's very true. That is very true. Um, <laughs> It's amazing. It's an amazing time. I'm telling you, if you guys are ever interested in, you know, and you've you've read or listened, actually you've listened to the Rock and Roll Nightmare Books uh, series, um, you know, peruse your way over to uh, Rome in the 16th century. A lot of cool stuff going on there, and uh, <laughs> man, gangs and murder and all kinds of interesting stuff. <laughs> Anyhow, well, that's fascinating, Jennifer. That's fascinating. We also have a link up to uh, Jennifer uh, Knighton Actor on Facebook. So, folks, uh, get over there and like and share and check it out and whatnot. You can find out all kinds of things uh, more about Jennifer. Um, next up, we've got uh, we've got two people that are returning guests to the show here. Uh, they've become very good Facebook friends of mine because they're just really cool. Um, and I love uh, when they post stuff. Uh, we've got, first up, uh, Mrs. Leanne Rowe and, as Jennifer mentioned, Mr. Graydon. Oh, man, and she even said his last name, and I tried to write it down, and I think I'm going to mess it up again, Graydon. Um, Schlichter. No worries. Is that? Perfect. That was perfect. All right, there we go. <laughs> Look at that, ladies and gentlemen. Look at that. Very, very cool. Um well, guys, you know, tell everybody a little bit about we'll, – we'll let Leanne go first, ladies first. Leanne, tell us a little bit about sure. your uh, background and whatnot and how you got into, uh, you know, the wonderful world of voice acting and, and whatnot. You also are a writer. Yes, yes. Um, oh, geez. I would say um, I kind of just came out loving musical theater. Like, that's all I wanted. Uh, I just would watch and watch and watch it and listen to it all the time. Um, I was the kid that would get chalk and write jets at the end of the driveway and was like waiting for somebody <laughs> to come by and write sharks so that we could rumble. Um, I begged my parents to put me into theater <laughs> class and I went to something when I was five or six and I ended up getting the lead and it, I would love to say it was talent. They actually drew my name out of a hat and said, you're the lead. Um, and after that, I just didn't stop. I just always... And then it was just musical theater from there. So I, uh, the minute I got out of high school, I took off and went to uh, New York City. I went to the American Music and Dramatic Academy. Um, mm -hmm. And after I finished that, I, I kind of wanted to come to L.A., so I wound up here. Um, so, uh, and I was also writing. Like, I also wrote from a very early age and just kind of kept with it. And it, things just kind of organically um, happened. I found a dinner theater out here. I was a member with uh, for 15 years, which COVID just uh, shut us down. Um, and I, I had written mm. a uh, co-written a romance novel that I had, had done called Yonder. And I thought to myself, I'm going to murder anybody who tries to do the audiobook of this because this character was so specific. 
And mm. I kept talking about it. And my husband actually ended up buying me a mic for my birthday years ago and said, you keep talking about it, why don't you try it? And um, mm. I put out Yonder. And then once that book came out, the work has just never stopped. Uh, so That's it was, awesome. I learned as I went. I don't necessarily recommend doing that <laughs> um, kind of self-taught. <laughs> But um, and I, I also um, I, I I teach and have recently taken over uh, a company out here that works with the LA school system as an after school program, and I teach drama. And there's a there's a bunch of us who go out and we teach drama to kindergarten through uh, fifth grade, and it is so soul feeding. So I do the audio, and then I, I get to teach the kids. So that's fantastic. That is so cool. Yeah. Well, the big question, Leanne, everybody's dying to know from the last time you were on the show, did you get the mm-hmm. AC in the outdoor studio? I knew you were <laughs> going to ask that, and I'm so excited. Uh, and not only can I say yes, yes, I did. We got the AC. I didn't know if I should lead with that, nice. actually. Um, <laughs> uh, but now we've had people actually start to rent out the studio, and it was just in time yeah. because I felt very yeah. Vanna White standing in front of the air conditioning um, so yeah, we finally got uh, air conditioning in the, in the in, out there because I was afraid that we were going to just eventually die at some point. Um, <laughs> they would have to like find a way into the building. Um, yes, absolutely. It well, was, a lot of people. Uh, uh, it, it, well, what I was going to say is a lot of people outside of the Southern California area may not realize uh, because everybody thinks everything's just perfect in California, and it usually is, including hmm. people. Um, but I'll tell you, I learned this the hard way. Uh, after I got out of college, I moved to uh, San Diego. I wanted to be exa- I went to school in Boston. I wanted the exact opposite of Boston, and San Diego it was. Um, and it was great. It was great. But a couple times, no, it's a lot worse today. This was a couple, you know, 20 years ago. Um, but a couple, about a week every year in the summer, it would get ungodly hot. And none of the apartments, at least the ones I had, and the people, everybody I knew, had air conditioning because you don't need it normally. Now, mm-hmm. uh, I've been told by friends in Southern California, they're like, yeah, remember that week when it got hot? It's like a couple months now. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you got to have it. you got to have it. Very, oh, it very, very important. You know, it, I would rather be cool uh, in the to... studio uh, than be hot. Oh, um, actually, really quickly, because I just left out the other most important part, uh, is how I met Graydon. <laughs> so oh, yeah, yeah. I realized in the journey of audio. Yeah. Um, I was doing, or we were doing a, uh, a play about the Grimm's brothers. It was a musical. And we were cast opposite of each other, him a storyteller and also a bear, and me kind of a grim princess and also an alcoholic uh, porcupine. <laughs> uh, That's really cool. Pod, uh, Thank you. I always mix that up. Uh, and we just kind of started talking, and we realized that we both did audiobooks, and we thought, well, let's try this, and then it just kind of exploded from there. But Stacy had actually um, found me uh, on this platform, and had talked to me about doing one of her books, and I said, you know, it's kind of funny. I have this narrating partner, but I think you might know him, because Graydon had already done a book for her. Uh, so it's so she was very surprised. It was kind of one of those small world moments. Um, so that that is kind of, I'm sure he'll go tell the story better when we get to him. Uh, but that is how we met. Uh, 
Uh, although, unfortunately, that the musical Grimm Brothers fairy tale thing was uh, shut down due to COVID, so we never actually got to finish that run. Ah, it it happens, you know. If it's not COVID, it's something else. It seems, um, you know, it's it's just a lot of movie people I know, uh, independent filmmakers. There's a lot. Now we have a lot on the show and whatnot, and of course, when we have them on the show, it's usually a finished project project and. They're trying to, you know, it, it's coming out. It's got distribution, and, and you know, it, it, everything's moving. But for I will tell mm-hmm. people, for every show we have like that, there's probably a hundred movies that didn't get distributed. That they, they, you know, they, oh, they sure. worked real hard on it, and it didn't happen. And that happened. Um, and uh, it's it's sad. It's just it's sad. Although I have I had some guests on about it. Oh, I don't know, about a year ago. And they had filmed a film, and things had happened and whatnot. It was a horror movie. Uh, in the, I think they did it in like 1988 or something like that. Didn't mm. it? Didn't get released. It got shelved, as as you Hollywood folks say. It got shelved, and um, you know, 25 years later, they they finally were in a little better position in life. And they said, you know what? Let's release that movie. So they. It was a big ordeal. It could have been a movie, just them releasing it. Um, and it did real well and everything. But they had to get it transferred to digital, and it was a big thing. Um, but never fear. You never know, folks. Projects on the back yeah. burner can sometimes be moved to the front burner. <laughs> it is <isn't> happening. <laughs> rare, but it happens. And now, folks, a couple quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www.jamierox.us. My Love Shack Apothecary online shop has everything you need to build a special gift for yourself or someone who needs a little pampering. I hand make all of the products in small batches using only plant-based ingredients and therapeutic-grade essential oils. Whether you choose one of my curated sets or want to build a custom gift set, My Love Shack Apothecary has everything you need to send a little sunshine to someone today. Please visit us online at www.loveshackapothecary.com. That's www.loveshackapothecary.com. As well as online on Instagram and Facebook. Links are in our website. Support for this podcast comes from the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center, ranked one of the top cancer centers in the nation for the last 27 years. The doctors at MD Anderson treat more rare cancers in a single day than many physicians see in a lifetime, and treatment plans are tailored to an individual patient's needs, allowing more comprehensive and thorough care. To become a patient, please visit makingcancerhistory.com. Aloha. If you have stress in your life or even anxiety and panic, I want to invite you 
to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast for a way out. The Anxiety Coaches Podcast is a relaxing and inspiring show, bringing you lifestyle changes to calm your nervous system and help you heal. Heal anxiety, panic, and PTSD for life. We bring you two episodes every week. There's no need to walk this path alone. Join us for a relaxing, informative, and inspiring time and start your journey out of anxiety panic. That's anxietycoachespodcast.com. Aloha. Hey there, my name is Paige Beatty, and I am the founder of Hats On and Hats Off, which are two separate companies but aligned by the same philosophy of raising cancer awareness and forming smiles. Hats On is a for-profit corporation that sells cancer-specific hats to be proudly worn by you in hopes of raising awareness. A percentage of the proceeds will be donated to Hats Off, which is a non-profit corporation raising money to buy wigs for cancer patients who can't afford them. That's where we're forming smiles. I believe cancer has touched almost everyone's lives in one way or another. A friend, a family member, a friend of a friend. So please, visit our website, www.hatsonhatsoff.com to learn how you can help raise awareness and form smiles. Rockscare, the online web shop of high-end luxury merchandise and products. All featuring original pop art paintings. From La Holla to Miami to London, www.merch.jamierocks.us. Um, now, Graydon, tell us, Graydon, uh, everybody is um, just very, very cool. His, he, I, I believe it's your youngest, just had a birthday the other day, right? Well, that, that's my niece. Uh, ah. Yeah, I, I am unfortunately, or fortunately, depending upon your particular persuasion on this, an uncle only, none of my own. I hear you. I'm the same way, Graydon. I am the same way. But we're cool uncles. <laughs> you know, we're cool oh, uncles. Yeah. Um, I'm sure if, if you're like me, you get brought up a lot when, you know, the, the nieces and nephews get told they can't do something. They're like, well... Uncle Jamie would let me do it. And they're like, exactly, that's why you don't live with Uncle Jamie. Um, You're not getting a mohawk. It's just not going to happen, buddy, or a tattoo. Um, Anyhow, Green, tell us a little bit about your background and whatnot and how you got into the wonderful world of voice acting and acting and uh, all of that. Sure thing. Well, so as I'm listening to other people tell their stories, the benefit of, of going last is it gives me more time to think. And I realized I kind of have the Joker's origin story, which is there are a bunch of origin stories, and you can pick the one that you like the best. Uh, mm. As an audiobook narrator, <laughs> one of my origin stories, and this is true, by the way, uh, when I was five years old, I was on a road trip with my parents, long road trip, six hours, something like that, which if you're five years old, that's an eternity. Uh, and we listened Absolutely. to audiobooks on these, on these trips. Or, as they were called back in the day, books on tape. Books on tape. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and at, at five years old, I declared to my parents, someday I will do this. I will narrate books on tape. Uh, sadly, it didn't happen while books on tape were still a thing, but it did eventually happen. 
Um, so that's, that's one origin story. Um, but another origin story about how I became an actor is that when I was 11 years old, I wanted to go to chemistry camp. And unfortunately, mm. chemistry camp, uh, apparently I was the only kid who wanted to go. They didn't have enough students, and so they canceled it. <laughs> and I said, okay, that's fine. I'll go to computer camp. And they had too okay. many students in, at computer camp. Everybody wanted to go to computer camp. Uh, and I had gone to computer camp the summer before, so they said, uh, can you, would you be happy taking your third choice? And I said, I don't know. What was my third choice? And they said, yeah. drama. And I said, gosh, uh, I guess so. You know, because I didn't want to take an opportunity away from another kid. So I said, sure, I can do that. Um, and I went to, uh, I went to this drama, the drama camp, and the homework assignment to prepare for drama camp was to uh, prepare a monologue that you would do in front of the class to sort of mm-hmm. show the teacher and the other students what you were. Now, I didn't have any experience in acting of any kind other than memorizing TV commercials when I was a kid and spitting them back out to my parents for amusement. So I didn't know anything about anything. They said, prepare a monologue. I didn't know what a monologue was. I didn't, you know, I had no context. So I grabbed uh, a computer game manual for a computer game that I really liked, and I memorized the narrative description of the game at the front of the manual, which was about 15 minutes long. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So um, as many in your audience probably know, a normal monologue in the theater world is two minutes long. Uh, and I, t- I talked right. for 11 minutes, which is a pretty impressive memorization feat for an 11-year-old, mm-hmm. uh, at which point the teacher said, Graydon, uh, that's lovely. We have a few more students we need to get to today, so I'm going to stop you there. I'm sorry we can't see the rest of it. <laughs> Graydon got the uh, gong. That's no good. I did. Come on. I'm 11, but you, instead, of, instead of diverting me, I just put fuel on the fire. I had an incredible time at that, at that drama camp. That teacher became one of my lifelong mentors. Uh, and then uh, she invited me to audition for a production that she was involved in, not that she was directing, of A Christmas Carol uh, the following winter. And I, I was able to uh, land a role in this production. It was uh, an equity show with some fantastic brilliant stage performers um, that I wish I had had the opportunity to learn more from in retrospect. Hindsight's 2020. Uh, and from that point on, I just, I was, I was hooked. I was in love. Uh, so that's oh, origin story number two. <laughs> origin story number three is I'm mm. at uh, Penn State University uh, my freshman year. And I don't, mm. I, at the time, I think I want to go to New York and do musicals and stuff because that was my exposure. That's what I understood acting to be. Uh, but every afternoon, I would get together with some friends and we would watch uh, an animation hour. It was Disney's Gargoyles followed by Batman the Animated Series. And after a couple of months, I had a light bulb moment when I realized those are actors. Somebody somewhere mm. is the actor who is voicing these characters and I suddenly realized that is what I want to do. That is what I want to spend the rest of my life doing is talking into a microphone, creating characters that no one would ever cast me as on screen or on stage. But behind a microphone, I can be anybody. And that was it. I was, I was done. There was no turning back uh, except for a brief divergence where I went to law school and became a lawyer and practiced law for a few years. And, you know, but we don't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And, uh, <laughs> and then the fourth origin story is after I got tired of, of being a lawyer, uh, a friend of mine introduced me to a marvelous voiceover teacher here in Southern California whose classes I started taking uh, and studied with for a few years. And he, he, he taught me the essential element that he said I'd been missing was how the business worked because I, I never understood that, and that's why I never made any headway on my own before. Uh, he taught me the mm. business side, which was essential, and he helped me refine the technical skills that a voiceover artist needs. And, uh, and so that's the fourth origin story. <laughs> so oh, that's amazing. That. That's amazing. Now, Greta, which book are you involved in with the Rock and Roll Nightmare uh, book series? Oh, absolutely. So Leanne and I together narrated uh, the 70s edition, Do You Fear Like We Do? And, mm-hmm. uh, and, we, and we, did, we did that under, uh, under our branded narrator names. So you won't see Graydon Schlichter uh, or Leanne Rowe listed on the audiobook as the narrators. You'll find Vincent Lee Grayson and Lillian Eves uh, because those are our, nice. our, our branded uh, narrator titles. However, you will find yes. both of our names in that book because each of us wrote a story that we contributed to the 70s anthology. That's so we sort of double dip. That that cool. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. We got to narrate our own work. It was, it was, it was pretty uh, bonkers, a lot of fun. Um, That's so. cool. And folks, I should, speaking of Lillian Eves, I should, I forgot to mention, we have a link up uh, to... Uh, Leanne's website, uh, com, And uh, we also have um, links up to uh, Leanne and Graydon's um, Facebook voice acting page, which is uh, Lillian Eve's voice actor. And um, you can find those there, like and share and whatnot. We also have a link to Graydon's Instagram as well. Uh, very cool stuff. Graydon, I had no idea you were a, an attorney for a minute. Didn't have I am, I'm technically wow. technically still licensed, although I practice as little as humanly possible. <laughs> I hear you. I, well, it's always always good to know. It's always good to know. Now we're going to be sending you contracts and stuff. Hey, does this work all <laughs> no, It's like a doctor. <laughs> this hurts when I do this. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's well, that's very cool. So you guys got you know, I love. I love when people find what they're supposed to be doing and are doing it. Um, it, it, it. It's so, when you swim with the tide, it is so much easier than going against the tide all the time. So when you find your, your lane, things just seem to happen. And uh, it's amazing. At least I have found that to be the case. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very cool. Now, let me ask you guys, I am fascinated with the whole voice acting thing, because i got to tell you, I do the show, I do the show all the time. This is episode, I don't know, we're in the 1100s and something. I've done a lot of these shows. Easy peasy for me. It's a Tuesday. It's nothing, you know. Um, it's not hard at all. Now, when I do an art show, and I actually have to show up in person, which, have, you know, we, we were doing a lot pre-COVID, pre-pandemic, um, usually they'll want you – like galleries will have the artists come in and, you know, they're trying to sell paintings and uh, the people like to meet the artists and all this and that. I hate doing these meet and greet things uh, because I get very shy. And then they want you to like usually give like a little five minute speech about your background or whatever. And I clam up. It's very difficult for me to do that in person. And, every, and my wife and everybody's like, 
how do you have a problem doing that when you're in there talking to people about, you know, zombies every other day? What's, and I said, <laughs> it's easy behind the microphone, but when I'm in front of a bunch of people, for me at least, it's very hard. Um, but you guys all don't have a problem with that. <laughs> you know, not only do you do the voice, you do the in-person acting, and, and you know, that's cool. I respect that because it's hard for me. If, if I may, there is a big difference. Mm-hmm. We're being characters. They're judging the character, not us. No, that's true. Because I'm super um, shy when it comes to live um, things like you were just describing. I'm super shy when it comes to that. But when I'm on stage or behind a mic, I, it's all about the performance. It has nothing to do with me. <laughs> oh, that's that's very true. I usually just mumble and, and kind of stay in the background. My wife's very good at that. My wife can work a room like no business. Um, thank God. Otherwise, we'd be broke, you know? Uh, I don't. I don't know if you ever really get over being nervous on stage in live performance. Um, you know, I've, I've got a. I've been acting for forty years, and and on opening night of a show, you better believe my knees are shaking a bit. And I, the last show, I was able to wear a Fitbit, and I'm like, oh, my heart rate's 119. That's kind of interesting. <laughs> Um, I I heard an interview with uh, Itzhak Perlman, the the violin player, and somebody asked him about, you know, how do you deal with nerves? And he goes, well, never really get over it, but that nervous feeling becomes familiar, and it's just something Mm. else that you work through. And it's like, oh, well, there's that nervous feeling again. Well, I've got a job to do. Here we go, you know. And I I thought that was real helpful for people that, that, you know, really have that kind of anxiety, you know, um, oh, and you. it's, it's, it's something you, I'd like to say you get used to, but I, I don't know that you ever do. It's, it's, and in fact, that may be the thrill of it all, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the little edge you get from the adrenaline and the nerves, you know, that's my take. Let me ask. Let me ask you guys, because you guys all do this for a living. You're professionals at this and whatnot. Another thing that happens to me is, and again, I am not a professional at all. Uh, you know, I push the fan <laughs> around and whatnot. It's not a big deal. Easy peasy. Um, but when I do a show or something like that, usually afterwards, everybody, the gang or whoever, the people involved, they all want to go out to dinner somewhere. I hate that part of the night, too. Because I just want to go home and get in bed and put the covers over my head and kind of decompress, you know, like I don't want to be around anybody. Yeah. And um, I usually feel I'm probably not that much fun to be around. Um, and my wife sometimes can attest. But um, do you guys have that where you, you're on the high during the performance, you know, during the event, during during the, the, the acting part of it and whatnot? Um, and do you come have a come down afterwards? Uh, yeah, you ride the energy. Go ahead, Leanne. I'm sorry. Okay, no, I, I, I feel like you ride the energy of the performance until it, it kind of goes. Even when I was in a rehearsal for a play I was doing two years ago, it would be 11 o'clock at night, and I would come home and race into the studio because I was built up so much energy just from rehearsal mm-hmm. that I knew I could like blow through a couple more chapters just to make sure I got it laid down. Uh, so it, mm-hmm. it's a uh, 
But I did, I did do a checkoff piece uh, that kind of toured around libraries. It was very high energy with his comedies. Um, and those, uh, those ones are so high energy that I about just wanted to collapse and nap right afterwards. So it depends on the energy, and I guess it depends on the piece, too. Yes. I got you. Agreed. I guess. Yeah. Jennifer, with her Shakespearean yeah, stuff, probably gets down and wants to stab people or something. No, I'm, I'm teasing, Jennifer. I'm teasing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that entirely depends on which character I was playing. <laughs> I got you. I got you. <laughs> Why does she keep washing her hands? I don't know. Um, yeah, <laughs> Oh man! He Wendy, had to bring up the Scottish things. play. I know. These are probably things that uh, you know people come in getting involved in acting. Uh, you know, issues that they have to get over, right? Or they have to learn to deal with, and and it's part of the the business, right? It, yeah, it really is. It's it's uh, uh, repetitions. You know, you, you if you want to get good at something, you practice, and so so in an acting yeah, class. Sure. You know, you might be standing up in front of, you know, 8, 10, 12 other people that are totally, they, they may not, they know better than to judge you as a person, but they are totally evaluating your performance. That's what they're there for. And, uh, and so, and, and auditions for a lot of actors are a lot more um, stressful than anything else. And it's because of, it's because of our mindset at times that, uh, oh my goodness! I'm being judged. I'm, you know, where I'm being evaluated. What if I'm not good enough? You know, and uh, and the more you do it, the more that you, the more that again you become accustomed to that 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 feeling, and you learn what to focus on. So if you can, I'm I'm not one of these teachers that think that tell actors, oh, you have to learn to become the character because you're not. Um, but you do uh, need to learn to involve yourself in the story that that character has as deeply as possible. And it's, there's a transformational thing that happens where you suddenly, you know, start thinking thoughts uh, within that story that you hadn't planned on. And you can interpret that as, oh, I was thinking the character's thoughts. But that's just you having done your research well enough and worked your worked your material well enough so that uh, you can be very objective about about uh, I'm sorry subjective about that story and pursue your objective within the story. So you know it's it's um, it's takes a long time. It takes it takes um, a lot of uh, really years to come to a point where you are competitive professionally as an actor. And um, I'm sure all of us at one time felt like, well, I'm just naturally talented and I'll be fine. But <laughs> then we found out in a competitive marketplace, it's like, oh, there's more. So, yeah, it's, you know, there's there's a lot to take in. And um, there better be joy in that process because, the business can be so, um, so you know, brutal and just um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just random, and because sometimes mm. you you don't know why they didn't cast you, you know, and they don't generally mm. tell you 
And so, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with the rejection of your audition can be can take a while to learn as well. So, it's it it, it takes training and experience and practice to to get there. And understanding that, you know, at some point we are not our work. We we have a craft, we practice it, and we keep trying to uh, uh, make progress with it. And that's kind of different from what we do in the business. Like I said, mm-hmm. if you don't have joy in the acting, in the craft itself, um, you know, that's going to make it really tough for you uh, as a business person um, in the acting business. Um, so Absolutely. It's, it, it compensates for a lot. The problem with the problem with that is, is too many times we don't we love acting so much we would we would do it for free, you know. Uh, <laughs> right. but, but that's not always why. True. You know. Exposure. <laughs> Yeah, that is very yeah. fun. That's, you know, great. You know, once I can start you, paying I, for my. Oh, oh go sorry, ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off. No, oh, no, finish your thought. Say, you know, when, <laughs> when I can start picking up my groceries at the grocery store and paying an exposure, then I'll be far more interested in doing your project <laughs> for the exposure. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So the one thing that but I wanted know, to. Uh, Oh, I, 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 I wanted to dovetail off of something that Andy said there because uh, I think it's really mm. important for anybody out there who's listening and is thinking about acting or, or anything like that. The hardest lesson that I had to learn, uh, and I finally figured it out, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago, was that when you go to an audition, don't treat it like an audition. Just treat it like another mm. opportunity to perform. Enjoy it. Yeah. And then leave it behind yeah. you because, as Andy already said, you don't have any control over whether they cast you or not. There are somewhere between 100 and 1,000 people who are just as perfect for that role as you are, depending on the size mm-hmm. of the market. And those, then the casting folks have to make arbitrary, almost arbitrary decisions <laughs> uh, when it comes to the one person who gets the role. And I used to get yeah. frustrated because I was the second choice time after mm. time after time. And the mm-hmm. second choice doesn't get to play the part. Uh, but mm-hmm. then you start being the first choice time after time after time. And you realize, Oh, okay. This is, this is just how the business works. You don't have any control over it. I had a director friend of mine once tell me that when it comes down to the last five or 10 people in the room for a role, he just starts making up excuses to disqualify people because otherwise he would never <laughs> cast anything. <laughs> right. Right. And you, yeah, that you're point, absolutely they can right. All, they can all do it. <laughs> I mean, somebody can yeah. have a bad day, you know, hey, that guy looks like the guy who cut me off in traffic earlier. Well, he's yep. out of here, right. you know. Uh, yeah. You just don't know. One of the things I have found in, in my world um, – with other painters, and I think this it really applies to a lot of creative people in general, thespians, actors like yourself and whatnot, um, is sometimes it's hard for the artiste to embrace the business side of things. Um, mm-hmm. They just want to focus on the creative thing. And what that, when I hear people say stuff like that, what it immediately translates to me is, oh, there's a person without a lot of experience yet. Um, mm. You know, must be nice having somebody pay the bills. Um, mm. But 
if you want to be successful and, and you want to, if your goal is to, you know, support your, yourself with your art or whatnot, you got to learn that business side of it, man. And you got to mm-hmm. make moves that make sense. Um, and, and doing yeah. a lot of stuff for free usually doesn't. <laughs> you know, it can actually hurt you. Well, um, yeah, it can be I used to think that, just to, to relate with what you do, Jamie, I used to think that, like, impressionist painters and stuff, that they just sat down and they just had that art and that just, they just did it, like, in a couple hours, like Bob Ross. Mm. Um, and then I took some painting classes and realized, no, that is not how it works. Um, and I, I, it made me, A, feel better that I couldn't paint like that because I'm just not very good at painting. And then coming into the acting side, there is so much more business. Like, I would love to be recording all the time, but there is so many other things you have to do. There's like website building, there's client management, there's taxes, like there's, there's all of these different sides that you don't see. And then keeping up with people and having to send emails and letters back in the day, you used to send postcards out. It, it is um, the side that they don't, they didn't talk a lot about it in, in school, but it was something that I found very uh, kind of startling in the beginning. I kind of had to learn to adapt to like, you have to present yourself this certain way. You have to have these certain things ready to go. It just, um, I, I would have rather just, you know, been acting or been singing or dancing or something. Um, but I didn't go to school to be a business person. So you make an yeah. excellent point. One of my mentors and you gotta, uh, used to tell me they don't call it show art. You know, you, 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 right. they call it show business. And it was a constant it's reminder. Yeah. It's very, very true. And I'll tell you, for those out there that, that think that, you know, just act, it's all parties in the Hollywood Hills and whatnot, well, that can happen. Um, that's absolutely mm-hmm. true. But I'll tell you, my per- for what's worked for me is, you know, it's funny because I kind of had this image for a long time of, oh, he's, he's always got a drink in his hand and whatnot. And I usually did. What a lot of people didn't know is um, this was very true for a long time. Nine times out of ten, if I was drinking a martini, it was seven up. You know, you got to keep your head about you. You're with because you're working. Yeah. You don't know, you know, you don't want to yeah. be a jerk. And you never know who you're talking to, especially if you're living out in California. Well, any market, really. Any market. You don't know. And, uh, you know, you, you want to be a good hang. You, you don't want to, you know, somebody somebody can work with. Um, very true. Very true. Well, very cool. Well, I forgot to mention at the beginning of the episode, I'll have to add this in afterwards when we convert this to a podcast. But, folks, we have direct links to the Amazon page and to Stacey Lane Wilson's uh, website uh, where you can get uh, the audio books, and they're even in paperback. If you, you know, if you want to be pedestrian and actually read a book, <laughs> uh, well, they got you covered and whatnot. But if you want to be, you know, on the fast track here with all the cool people and, and listen to it audio wise. Well, you can do that as well. Uh, that's very, let me ask you guys, let's go around the room one more time real quick. Uh, while I got you on here. I know that it, we're running tight on time, uh, but real quick, Andy, I'm going to, there's the question for everybody and we'll go around and get everybody's answers for it. If a person Great. has the dream of wanting to get into voice acting what would you say the, the, the first step to doing that is? We'll start with Andy. Okay. Uh, I would say the first step is find out if you read out loud well. And by well, mm. I mean, does it sound like you're just talking? 
And if you if you live if you're you know live with someone and you go to sleep in the same room, they will love you for reading them to sleep. That's a great way to <laughs> put your twenty or thirty minutes of practice in every night. You know, I get a lot of husband points for that. Um, and the, of course, and and that helps with the performance, especially in the audiobook. Um, Realm, but it also helps with your commercial acting or commercial uh, voiceover work. Um, so that is the that is the bare minimum. I you know I get I get phone calls you know three or four times a month where some guy with real pipes goes you know I get told every day I should be on the radio you know and I, okay you got great pipes but let's find out if you can read and. One of the most right. successful friends I have in voiceover says, you don't need a great voice, you need a great read. And uh, reading out loud often is uh, is the first step. Um, and then there's technical stuff, but I'm sure other people can talk about that. So that's my answer. Leanne, let's, let's go with you. Think hmm. If somebody wants to get into voice acting, um, how do they do it? I would say... Uh, it would, I, I would say training helps a lot, like acting classes and stuff. But I have, I guess, recognizing if you want to go into audiobook narration versus, like, like voiceover, audiobook narration is a different kind of beast altogether. I had some friends sending me some samples a while back wanting to get into audiobook narration, but they were sending me monologues. And the thing is, mm. the authors are looking for you reading narration. They're not looking for you to read a monologue. Uh, so mm. it's kind of recognizing the difference. Maybe listen, like find some audiobooks that you like, listen to what they're doing. There's a lot of classes on there too. Um, and I, it, yeah, I would, I would say do those things. Like just know the difference, maybe recognize a genre that really works for you mm-hmm. uh, as well. Like what if, you know, I personally could not read a medical textbook, uh, so I wouldn't be able to pronounce it. <laughs> But I have, a, I have a friend who used to be a doctor, and she reads them and makes a really good amount uh, of a living off of it. But, like, she, she knows all that. Like, I just – I'm more animated. I tend to fall and do uh, primarily romance. Tends to be the one. Gotcha. So, you know, and also, gotcha. also uh, do your research in what genre is selling. So, like, look up the author. Ah. Look up the genres that are selling. Um, you know, because you can go out and get some books, but you've got to make sure they're selling or else it's not worth your time. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure Brady, I could wax poetic. What do you poetic, think? What I'm sorry, Leanne, I didn't mean to uh, talk. Oh, no, I was saying, I said, I, I'm sure I could wax poetic, but I'm sure everybody else has things to say. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll take up the baton. Uh, and to sort of marry what Andy was saying to what Leanne was saying, um, the first thing that I would say to somebody who wants to do voiceover, if that's, if that's how they framed it to me, is I would turn the question back on them, what is it that you want to do? Because it's a different mm-hmm. world and a j- different trajectory if you want to voice audiobooks, if you want to do video games and animation, if you want to do radio mm-hmm. commercials. They're all related, and they have synergistic skills. But the first question would be, when you say voiceover, what is it you want to do? And maybe why, depending upon how long the conversation is going to be. But then... Once, once they know what it is they want to do and why they want to do it, consume the best examples of the media. So if you want to do video games and animation, you either got to play the video games or you got to watch the, the cinematic clips on YouTube to get a sense of 
what that industry is because just because you want to do it doesn't mean you know what it is yet. Uh, if you want to do audiobooks, right. like Leanne said, consume a few uh, consume audiobooks in the genres that you think fit. Uh, you can solicit mm-hmm. people that you know. Take what they say with a grain of salt, but you can solicit people that you know. You know, where do you hear my voice falling? Am I am I more of a you know uh, more of a radio commercial guy next door kind of person? Am I am I the gruff soldier in the you know the next World War II video game? Like who am I? Who do you who do you hear me as? You don't have to take it as gospel, but you can then start to play with those ideas and see how see whether the lens that other people are seeing you through is a lens that a you can see yourself through and b that you can have fun embodying. And then the third piece of the puzzle is just do it. Whether it's reading your partner to sleep, which is a lovely, lovely idea, Andy, and I understand how you get those husband points now. It makes sense to me. Um, whether it's that or just recording yourself into your smartphone recorder app, just get those repetitions in, or doing your, your character voices and your impressions for your friends, which, again, that's only one piece of the puzzle, but it's a piece of the puzzle. Um, just do it. Just play around with it and then become disciplined and regimented about, about the work. And especially if you want to do audiobooks, here's, here's the, the bottom line. If you think you want to be an audiobook narrator, uh, try recording yourself half an hour to an hour every day for two weeks and see, mm. see whether you can stand it. Because there are people who think they want to be audiobook narrators right up until the point that they are working on the second hour of audio of their book, and they can't think of anything they want more than to get out of the contract. So, wow. yeah, it's a marathon, not a sprint yeah. when it comes to audiobooks. Yeah, it's true. I hear you. I hear you. Well, especially, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're, you're reading big books, you know. I mean, you know, this isn't a two-page leaflet, you know. Um, I imagine there's work for that, but it's going to be few and far between. They didn't get to pay a lot. Uh, Jennifer, same question to you. Getting well, into voice I think, acting. I think I'll tie a bunch of this together on mine. Thanks for all the uh, lead-ins, guys. Um, <laughs> consi- <laughs> consistency. So you want to mm. be an audiobook narrator. Okay. Are you going to sound the same at the first five minutes as you do an hour in? Are you going to sound exhausted mm. by that point? Are you able to go back after recording an hour one day and go back to record an hour the next day and still sound the same? Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes in with if you're doing other voiceover, you're doing character voices. Okay, but can you talk like this the entire time or are you going to lose the voice partway through? Uh, <laughs> you, need, you need to practice and gain um, stamina, I guess is how to put it. Um, the the first audiobook or second audiobook, first audiobook I ever did. Um, I I won't say the name of it because I I'm kind of in denial on that one. But um, I got a half hour in and was exhausted. And I'm like, how can I do this? It goes back to what Graydon was saying. It's like you you don't realize how much it takes to record that much. And I was afraid maybe this wasn't something I want to do. And now I'm doing like eight and ten hour books. Um, so, like, don't give up if it doesn't work out of the gate, but understand that there's a lot of work you need to do to get that, that balance and that consistency and that stability underneath you, um, whether it be character voices or long narration. It's, it's making sure you can repeat it and, and do it the same. Fantastic. 
Fantastic. He got it. Yeah. You know, and it, it's, it's interesting, you know, because everybody thinks no matter what the, you know, everybody has a dream and then they, uh, <laughs> and they try doing it. Ooh, sometimes it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. It's like business. You know, everybody, everybody knows somebody or has been that person where they're working at some job and they're like, man, the boss is a schmuck. I could do this so much better. And then they go and try to start their own thing doing it. And they don't realize all the stuff they didn't know that the boss did. <laughs> you know. um, that happens a lot. <laughs> I might have been there or may not. <laughs> Anyhow, um, folks, the, this, what we've been talking about, of course, is, is voice acting and whatnot. Uh, but the, all of these folks that we've had on today, they uh, have done narration on the Rock and Roll Nightmares. Uh, book series. There's three episodes right now, um, uh, three different books uh, in, in the, and it's set, it's cool because it's in the horror genre, but also the rock and roll genre. They, they, they're com- uh, a very cool combination. Um, and there's one of the books is set in the 60s, the 70s, and 80s. And it's interesting because all the, the titles are popular music uh, from rock and roll, and, and then the, that kind of leads the story, uh, or at least the direction of the story. And um, I love this book series. I, I am a, a big fan of it. Um, I, I have the 80s edition uh, on my coffee table as we speak. That is very, very true. <laughs> and um, it's just, just very, very cool. And I'm picking up the 60s and 70s. And also, you know, I know, I know, I know we're in September, but it, I don't know how this happened. Time started going very quickly as I got a little older. Um, Christmas, the holiday is going to be here before you know it. And if you've got a horror fan on your list and a rock or a rock and roll fan, well, these will cover both of those. And if you have a horror fan that been to rock and roll, which 99% of them are, um, these will definitely cover that. So, you know, uh, and you don't have to get them the book. You can get them the audio book. How cool is that? There you go. You, know, you get a print out a little thing, get a fancy card. Boom. There you go. You're done. Oh, and you, know? you can put the lights off if it's an audio book. You can get more scared. Just going to let you know. That's true. <laughs> and I'd like to point out that Halloween is also a holiday you can buy presents for, and horror is a good present for Halloween. That is very true. Uh, my wife it's a good trick and, and would intrigued. agree with you 100%. Um, our house currently looks like the Adams family lives here, but that's okay. It keeps her happy. You know? um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, it's funny because I'm, I'm the modern minimalist in our relationship, and I'm like, you know, she gets all these knickknacks and candles. We have so many candles. I feel like the Phantom of the Opera sometimes in here. And, you know, I keep telling her, I'm like, you know, clutter, it, it, that isn't modern, sweetie. <laughs> and you got to dust all this stuff. She's like, but I love it. Anyhow, anyhow. Folks, that's going to wrap it up for us today. We're going to, of course, this episode will be converted to a podcast. We're going to push that on all the social media platforms, and we're on all the podcasting platforms. I'm telling you, wherever you listen or download a podcast at, chances are we're on them. We're on over 450, uh, 54 of them, 454 different podcasting platforms right now, from Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, everything. I'm not going to list them all because we'd be here forever. Um, but we're on him, man. We're on him. 
all of the links that we have on our show page follow the show. So if you're listening in, in the future, hello from the past, um, if, you're, if you're listening to this, you can click right on the links that we've talked about that we have listed there, and it'll go get you right to where you need to be. Very, very cool. Well, we'll be back. Um, let's see, yeah, yeah, I'm off for the weekend. Well, from the show, I'm doing a bunch of work around the house. Um, and painting. Painting. It never ends. I feel like Lucy at the Chocolate Factory sometimes. Not complaining. <laughs> Good thing. <laughs> Anyhow. Anyhow, we will be back Monday. We've got a – man, next week is really cool. I, I don't know how it happened, but I've got six shows lined up next week. And, um, wow. you know, just every day. And we've got some really cool bands and some really uh, fantastic uh, independent films. Uh, that we've, got, we've got a documentary. I just watched this last night uh, about PTSD and people, veterans and whatnot. Whoa, just very inspiring, uplifting documentary. That'll be on Tuesday. Uh, we're going to be talking to the writer, director, producer of that. And um, oh, and there's a band coming on uh, called Little Galaxies. Now, I hadn't heard of these folks before, and I got the uh, press kit and whatnot, and I listened to them. I was blown away. I was like, man, this is a great band. And I spent probably, I don't know, two hours just watching their videos on YouTube. I'm a big fan now. So that'll be on Wednesday. Check them out. Little Galaxies. Really, really good. So we will see everybody next week. Have a great weekend. And, hey, remember, folks, we're still living in a, real, in a weird world. If you happen to disagree with us, if you're out doing your thing and you happen to disagree with the stores, whatever their policy is, the person, the kid behind the register, I can guarantee you, ain't showing up to, uh, you know, board meetings and stuff. They have no decision-making ability and whatever is annoying you. Don't yell at them. It won't, nothing will happen. Um, just go home, write an email or something if you're that passionate about your viewpoint on it. Um, I don't know. You know. Get a life. Be nice. How about that? Be nice. Be kind. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Have a Thank good one, you. everybody. We will see you all. Thank you all for taking time out of your schedules to be on the show. I really appreciate it. You guys are all just awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much, Jim. Thank, Thank you. you. It was a pleasure. We'll see everybody later. Bye. This has been Pop Art Painter Jamie Rocks' Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. It has been executive produced by Jamie Rocks, recorded at his studio in Deerfield Beach in South Florida. All rights reserved by Pop Rocks Limited for broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. Tana Oli Pop Rocks Radio. Estás escuchando Jamie Rocks de Pop Rocks Radio. Manténganse al tanto. Hey, det här är Hicks från Sverige och ni lyssnar till Pop Rocks Radio med Jamie Rocks. Blog Talk Radio.